We're back. Welcome back to God's Love Language. Welcome to God's Love Language, a podcast designed for Christian discipleship with emphasis on developing our relationship and fellowship with God. Now, here is our host, Joe Enloe. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. We're live on tape from the studios of God's Love Language. We're glad you made it back. We appreciate you. Welcome to episode nine. And it's a continuation from episode eight. We kind of had an introduction in episode seven, but uh, episode nine will be our final podcast. Excuse me, our final podcast of 2020. I've said before, I believe God is calling all Christians worldwide to learn a deeper level of faith, and it is a change that begins with you, your mindset, and letting go of your selfishness. The place God is calling us to spiritually begins to happen when you understand his purpose for the family. Yes, I made that statement. It begins when you understand his purpose for the family. This is the commission that God has given me. He gave me back in night, excuse me, 2000, the year 2000. In that purpose and function lies the foundation of an almost supernatural faith and obedience to God, the family, learning what you're supposed to learn in the family. There are principles in understanding the purpose of the family that will make you a successfully successful person as well as an extremely successful Christian. All the basic skills needed to be successful in life, as a matter of fact, lie in mastering the principles needed to function in your family the way God intended for it to be done. Now, most of us as Christians only do enough Christian ease to feel good about ourselves, and if we admit it, We only call on God when we lose control of our life or when we need something. The truth is, we should be letting God lead the way for us every single day of our lives. We're so self-oriented here in the United States that we live Christianity as a hobby, not a lifestyle. God is saying, enough is enough. The increase in hardships and disasters in the world should be getting your attention. The opportunity is to be moving your faith to a deeper level in preparation for the upcoming trials and tribulations. Remember, we are in a spiritual battle. The enemy is arrogant enough to believe he can still defeat God. You have a book that tells you what is coming down the pike, which is the Bible. Do not ignore the warnings. Do not pretend everything will be all right. God is in charge, but he never promised you a rose garden. He only promised you that he would never leave you or forsake you. He walks with you in the valley of the shadow of death. I repeat that. He walks with you. In the valley of the shadow of death. He does not take you out of it. Look at all the Christians that have been persecuted since Jesus. God was with them all, but he did he will not necessarily protect you from being say being killed. But he will give you the boldness to endure until the end. Now I don't mean to preach doom and gloom, but I just want you to be prepared and strengthen yourself. And if it doesn't happen to you, the, the better it will be. I mean, you'll be at least you'll be stronger and more knowledgeable in God and closer to God uh, if it does happen. But if it doesn't, then you will just have a, a great relationship with him. So what is the secret to doing this? The secret lies, again, in the family. Everyone wonder why raising a family is so hard, even a quote-unquote Christian family. I can tell you some stories about my experiences with families that are dysfunctional or to be more graceful and polite families that struggle to function in a healthy manner. I can even begin with my own family. When I married my wife, we both had custody of three boys apiece 
from previous marriage. And two years later, we added a seventh boy. The years mine and ours, as, as you know from episode one. As Christians, we came in this marriage devoted to God and with plans on raising our children right, serving the Lord. Well, we spent much of our free time serving God through the church in one way or another as leaders are participating in classes if they had a class. Every time the doors of the church were open, we seemed to have been there. The kids eventually began resenting church and complaining Sure, they enjoyed the camping trips and retreats, but normal services were getting to them. You know, I started asking questions. Why do we have to go to church so much? It kind of became their mantra. We were taught that we needed to do this because when we have to teach our children, uh, raise them, then, you know, the teaching about raising a child in a way that they should go, and when they're older, they won't depart from it. So we believed that was the best way is, is take them to church and let them learn. We didn't know that their learning should have started at home in the family. Okay, but now as they're older, we have five, I believe it's five of them never attend church to our knowledge, and two do so sporadically. Although all of them profess their belief in God, uh, they don't attend church regularly. What did we do wrong? Did we do anything wrong? And we're not alone either. You know, never mind the unsafe family. Couples in church have these difficulties all the time, even pastors and elders. Being in church does not guarantee a healthy, functioning family on earth. You may make it to heaven, but family heartaches will certainly be part of the experience getting there. And actually, that is part of the penalty that Eve received in Genesis 3.16 when God pronounced the punishment of each participant of the fall. He told Eve that she would have great increase in, in childbearing. And that in Hebrew, that could also mean as you raise your children. There would be pain and heartaches in raising your children because of the difficulties now that sin has entered the world. Okay. You know, even raising a family at church doesn't even guarantee that they will make it to heaven. So what is going on? Back to my question. Ever wonder why raising a family, a family devoted to God, is so hard, at least emotionally, right? I have to. I've wondered this. Like, God, what is going on? I try to do what I think you've told us to do. And this is what I found. First and foremost, we must look at the problem through a biblical worldview because God invented the family concept. It was first evident at the time of the creation of earth when he said, let us make man in our image, speaking to the spiritual beings he had already created. Then he created man and woman, and the first family began with Adam and Eve, and eventually the births of Cain and Abel came in. To fully or to really understand the Old Testament, we need to at least as much as possible look at it from a view of the writers at the time each book was written or in that era. There are many extra biblical writings along with the Bible that inform us of what the prevailing mindset was in the days of each book's authorship. Since God was the creator of the family, let us go to the Word of God to see what it says that could give us some insight. The story of the Bible. It's about God's will for and rule of the realms he has created, visible and invisible, through and with the creations he made in his image. Human and non-human, spiritual and divine of the non-human, both being imagers, the spiritual and the, and the, the human. This divine agenda is played out in both realms, in deliberate tandem on earth as it is in heaven. Before we move on, let me explain more about what it means to be an imager. Now, if you remember episode 7, 
where we define what it means to be an imager, according to Dr. Michael Heiser's book, The Unseen Realm. Let me give you a refresher. When you ask this average Christian today, how are we made in God's image? Most will give you a list of attributes, but that is secondary to the real meaning. It basically means a creation of God, either physical, human, or spiritual, divine, non-human, like angels and the sons of God, which refer to his other spiritual creations. It is different from most of the teachings you have received in that it focuses on the Hebrew grammar and the preposition in, in with respect to the phrase in the image of God. To be made the, in the image of God is a status, and it comes with attributes and abilities, but it is first and foremost a status. Please keep this in mind as we proceed. And There's a bigger and important definition of that imager in episode 7, so please go to that if you're at all interested. The story in the Bible that we know most about is the one we're in, the visible, the terrestrial world, not extraterrestrial, the terrestrial world, the natural. Naturally, that's the one that gets the most attention from pastors and theologians. The invisible realm is regularly overlooked or talked about only in relation to God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and maybe a few angels. The two realms are not mutually exclusive or peripheral to each other. They are integrally connected by design. That point is telegraphed very early in the biblical story. Now, keep in mind, uh, I'm getting the most of this information from Michael Heiser. He put it together so well and helped me out here. So Michael Heiser's book, The Unseen Realm. Check it out. It's, it's a great book. The as in heaven, so on earth idea is much older than the Lord's Prayer. It begins in Genesis. The first chapter of Genesis is easily misinterpreted by one not yet acquainted with God's original family and household, the divine counsel in the spirit realm. Now, here's what it says in verse 26. And God said, let us make humankind in our image and according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of heaven and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every moving thing that moves upon the earth. Verse 27. So God created humankind in his image. In the likeness of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and the birds of heaven, and over every animal that moves upon the earth. That is our first command. We as humans were supposed to multiply, and rule, and reign with God over all the creatures the creatures on earth. Along comes the deceiver, the one who was wanting to be like God, and rule and reign over everything in the spirit world. He got himself booted out of heaven, and now was living on the earth in a physical world. When he got wind of God's plan for human images, he set out to steal that commission and make himself ruler of the earth. That's John 12, 31, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, Ephesians 2, 2. And he did. He stole control from Adam and Eve by deception. That's why he could tempt Jesus with offering him a chance to have all the kingdoms of the earth if Jesus would just fall down and worship him. Well, thank God Jesus didn't do that, and thank God he regained possession of the earth and ownership of the earth with his sacrifice on the cross. When Satan stole the right of governing the world from mankind, he became the prince of the air, our prince of the world. But he knew he was what he was doing. It was his intention to skew man's commission, to steal man's commission from God. 
to multiply and to have dominion. Because to multiply and have dominion as people of God would have created a world of, un, of godly people. He couldn't have that. Now that Jesus has regained control of the world, we must attempt to multiply and have dominion while our enemy tries to prevent us from accomplishing that mission. If we all come into the full knowledge of who we are in Christ, Satan doesn't stand a chance. So that is why raising a family is so difficult. Satan attacks it from all angles. He makes people care too much about themselves to commit to raising a family. He appeals to our selfish nature and desires and has us abort our children when we to not to have them because we got to take care of ourselves he tells us that we don't need to have to get we don't have to get married to have a family he says we deserve more and has a man or woman desert their family he says we can have more than one partner and says that it is not natural to have only one he confuses us about who we really are are we really a man or a woman and and causes us to go against science in the natural order of creation and and the list goes on there's he, he confuses everything. He detrait, seeks to destroy the family concept. He convinces us of these things very subtly, but mostly by convincing you that you are the most important person in your life, that you deserve to be happy first and foremost. Remember, he is the tempter and accuser of the brethren. He bombards you with overt and covert messages through television, through Hollywood movies, through the idolization of movie stars and the, the propaganda that comes out, the secular music and idolized musicians and, and with the unsafe friends you hang out with. That is why it's important to gain control of all aspects of your life and give them to God. Now, you can hang out with unsaved friends if you're leading them to Christ and you're doing leading a Godful life. Now, don't get me wrong. Here's another area, your sexual lusts and desires are one of the most profound areas of vulnerability. It has taken down more families and individuals than any other single reason. Why not? It was part of the first commission, right? To multiply. It was bound to be attacked. It even took out some angels in the Old Testament when they lusted for the earthly women. And these angels were put in hell in chains immediately. They didn't have a chance to wait to the judgment day. They were put there immediately. You can find this in Genesis 6-2, 2 Peter 2-4, and Jude 6. And sexual sin contributed to the destruction of the world during Noah's time. How bad all sexual perversion was and, and everything that went on. That included those angels that, that mated with human women. I submit to you that at the root of sexual sin is selfishness, wanting to please yourself. A subtle form of idolatry, which is self-worship. One does not need to have sex, you know. It, it is, yes, it's a biological desire, but you will not die if you don't have sex. If you abstain long enough, as a matter of fact, you will, your desire will decrease. 80% of your sexual desire is in our mind. It has been said by sexual researchers that the mind is the primary sexual organ. I know, I've taught this for 10 years at the university level. My book and the teachings from it and this podcast will help develop your faith by experiencing the successful navigation of the basics of life provided in family dynamics. The first command given in Genesis to man was to be fruitful and increase in number. I will show that within all five of the basic relationships independently and all five synergistically are the keys to successfully navigating any situation you may experience as an individual human being. These five basic relationships, in order of appearance in the Bible, as a matter of fact, are number one, the individual, 
Adam. Two, the couple, Adam and Eve. Three, the parents, Cain and Abel were born. Four, at the same time, the child, Cain. And then five, Abel, which is the sibling. First, we'll talk about how it might have looked if sin would have never entered the world, and then talk about how we need to navigate through the world we do live in, the sinful world. God made it so that we learn to love each other and Him through the dynamics associated with growing up in a family and then having a family of our own. The family is where we learn to be faithful and obedient to each other and to God. We do this by being obedient and faithful to God's most basic institution, the family. As I have said in past podcasts, God does not need mankind to accomplish his desires, but he so desires to share his love and leadership that he created a family in heaven and one on earth to allow them to exercise dominion with him in each realm respectively. Remember, we were to multiply and have dominion on earth. We were to start in the garden and then go to the rest of the earth, building godly families, exercising dominion over the earth and all its creatures while taking care of earth's valuable resources. All this was done by giving his family members on earth free choice because true love demands that we have choices. God knew that we could possibly go astray, and so he had a plan of redemption that was enacted. Nothing catches him by surprise. The good news is that we can still rule and reign with him on earth. That is what the scriptures are all about. What else do families do for us? Understand that God is a father. Fathers are associated with having a family. His example of being a father to us will give us keys to success of how to be a father or mother here on this earth. Just like God, we don't need a family to live a comfortable and successful life on earth. But when you are the very essence of love, as God is, you have a desire to have somebody to love and share your love. And that is why God created both his heavenly and earthly families. When you, as an individual, are a committed Christian and dwell in the love of God and seek to please him, he gives you a desire to love others as he loves us. And the more you demonstrate God's love, the more you become like him. That is why we choose to have a family. That godly love drives us to share it with others. Here is an earthly comparison. I hope it's, 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 it fails in comparison, but it's one of the better ones I can come up with. You are a loving parent and you have created a major successful corporation that is at the top of its market. You have children. Wouldn't you want them to be part of that company? That's your blessing and legacy to them. Of course you would. You would do whatever you had to do to make sure they get involved. After they have been prepared, like uh, going to college and spent some time to mature and and did some on-the-job training at the company, uh, you would fit them in. Well, God loves us way more than you and or I can love, but that is the idea behind wanting to share us that with the family business with us. He wants to share the family business, that ruling and reigning, with us. Ruling and reigning and having dominion over the earth through families. Take a good look at the Bible. If you understand its basic path to success, to being prepared to work in the family business, you will see this pattern. To be more like God, you have to be less like who you think you are. Die to self so that you let him live in you. 
To be the greatest, you must become the servant of all. To have friends, become a friend. To reap, you must give or sow. To be lifted up, you must be humble. To be strong, you must become weak. And on it goes. That pattern is the opposite of what the world is telling you. What is being said here. Your true identity is not what this world tells you it is. It is what God made you to be, an imager of him. In him, a shining light that only exists in him and shines through him. When people see you, they should see God. Jesus said it. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Now, how are these episodes going to be organized? After my introduction episodes on the family, I will devote one or two episodes to each basic relationship, beginning with the individual. After explaining my reasoning for starting with the individual, I will point out what you should have learned by the time you reach this point in your life. Next, we will discuss how to make up for what you are lacking, and then finally talk about applying the ministries God has given to the church to your everyday life and maturation process. When we, we will then discuss other basic relationships that God established on earth. The relationships will be presented in the order of appearance and importance in the Bible. Each relationship includes your relationship with the Godhead. From these five basic relationships, all other relationships in the world developed. My contention is, if done correctly, everything you need to learn to be successful in your human life, you can learn in these basic relationships. I will give you the skills needed to begin this adventure. Research has shown that the family institution is common to all races and all populations throughout history and time. It is one thing all humans have in common, and without any outside intervention or persuasion, families were developed. Let's enjoy what the family has to offer us on earth. It is God-ordained. Amen. Now, to let you know, our next podcast will not be until the 5th of January, 2021. We will be taking some time off for Christmas and for writing. You may stay in touch with me at my website, godslovelanguage.com, or you you can email me at jnlow at godslovelanguage.com. I will make every attempt to respond to you. So God bless and have a Merry Christmas and a very happy and prosperous New Year. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to today's teaching. If you would like more information about our podcast and subject matter, or if you would like to leave a comment, go to GodsLoveLanguage.com, or you may email Joe at jnlo at GodsLoveLanguage.com. Thank you, Laura. A little time for some music therapy. Thank you, God. God bless us. Help us understand your message, your word, your truth, your knowledge. Help us to grow as Christians. Help us spread your love through our families, through families. Thank you, Lord. Yes. All right. Shake your shoulder. To the left. To the right. To the left. To the right. Yeah. Raise your hands. 
Praise the Lord. Don't take your hands off the wheel if you're driving. Don't close your eyes if you're driving. Hallelujah, Lord. Bless the people. Keep them healthy. Keep them well. Keep them growing. Bless them, Lord, beyond their imagination. Thank you, Lord. Bless these people. Thank you. Happy, happy New Year. Have a Merry Christmas. Thank you, Lord. Yes, come on now. If you're feeling good, you can't feel bad. Thank you, Father. Feel good. Thank you, Lord. Yes, put your hands in the air. Shake your head. You do it for the, the sports. You do it for concerts. You can do it for God. Yes. Hallelujah. Come on. Don't be so gruff. Shake a little bit. God loves you. Tap that foot, baby. Come on. If you don't enjoy it, it's not therapy if you don't enjoy it. Come on, move. Gotta feel good. Make yourself feel good. Raise your spirit. Psychological fact. Make yourself feel good. You can't feel bad. Come on. Move those shoulders up and down. Move those feet. Tap them. If you're up, do a four, four corner dance. Yes. To the right. To the left. Good. Bless this time, Lord. Bless these people listening. You're glorious. God bless. Have a great holiday season.